Hey fellow tennis nerds, I hope all is well. Today I want to talk about Fury Sport, uh, wearing their hoodie, which is actually of great fit. It's not a fashion brand, but they've actually put some proper fashion thinking around this, used some experts from the industry. One of the founders has her background in the fashion world, which I think is great because I get a lot of t-shirts and stuff sent to me and not, the fit is not always the best, but with this brand actually I really enjoyed uh, the fit of both this hoodie it's, it's actually quality stuff but what i wanted to talk about today is the rackets you know this is focused a lot on tennis gear rackets and strings and they actually have two rackets that is designed uh, together with the, one of the founders eric mathelier and a uh, master racket technician and they're called arma pro and arma light and the arma pro is the one i've tried so far the arma light i'll get to later i will do a more in-depth review but these frames actually play really nicely. They have a, a quality construction. The feeling is not too stiff. It's not going all the way tweener, ultra stiff. Uh, why I want to highlight them, I have no vested interest in this business at all. Like with most other things I talk about, I am just happy to see challenging brands. I will now lead you over to uh, the interview I did with Eric, uh, one of the founders, so you get to know a bit more about the brand. And I hope you enjoy that and I will get into more reviewing uh, when I have more time with the rackets. But overall, the first couple of sessions I really enjoyed and I think definitely think these are quality products that are worth checking out if the specs appeal to you. So definitely more intermediate player spec. The Arma Pro can suit more advanced players because it's 305 grams, while the Arma Lite obviously is more on the beginner intermediate level. But uh, Nice looking sticks and uh, and actually hits a, a nice ball, kind of a crisp but not so stiff feel to your, your shots and a pretty, you know, sweet spot a bit higher up in the string bed. Uh, I think they will find its share of fans, but it is tough in a day where, you know, you need to endorse players to, uh, to make an impact on the racket market. But maybe they can anyway, uh, we'll see. Over to the interview, have a nice day and don't forget to play sometimes. when we decided to found a company back in 2016, you know, we looked at the market and we just wanted to bring a different um, product, different perspective. We felt like tennis is one of those categories where you don't really get a lot of new brands. You know, you have the Selinkos, you have the Diadems, but there's not every day like, you know, a, you know, like fashion where you, you see new brands coming up all the time. You know, tennis is one of those. It's just, it's usually the big boys, right? The Wilson, mm -hmm, yeah. the Babalots, the Yonixes, um, Technofiber heads of the world, and um, I, we just wanted to bring a different, you know, perspective and give consumers just another choice, another option. Yeah, and that's great. I think it's it's uh, tennis is a sport that needs some some new thinking at times, and it's also needs to maintain some of, of the heritage, like the scoring system and stuff. I don't like when they mess with that, but I think oh, yeah. we, there's definitely room for new products, new brands, new target groups uh, to bring oh, into yes. tennis. Yes, I definitely, you know, definitely agree, you know, new perspective. And I feel like, you know, specifically, you know, like you see with the pandemic where a lot of more people, especially, you know, throughout the world, especially here in the States, you know, they're taking up sports. I've had friends who hadn't played sports, you know, tennis specifically, um, you know, since high school, you know, like your hey, Eric, I picked up the sport, you know, it's such a great social distance sport. Just time, you know, um, it's it doesn't have to have this country club feel the stuffy feel is a lot of different people from various backgrounds who play the sport um you know from creative to teachers you know 
you have finance people, you know, you have all walks of life that loves tennis. And I, I feel like that needs to be uh, portrayed. Yeah, no, I, I think you're, you're, you're spot on there. And uh, so tell me a little bit about yourself. Like you, you were a tennis player from the get-go. You started with basketball, right? That's the thing. And then moved oh, on. Oh, no, tennis. yeah. So just a little background. I grew up in, uh, in uh, New York City, Brooklyn, East Flatbush, Brooklyn. So my first love was actually baseball. Um, that's, you know, growing up. And I was a big, you know, I'm still a New York Yankee fan. I actually got into tennis at the age of 10, um, pretty late, you know, from most junior standard. You know, I, I just played once a week and then I got serious with the sport at 13. So from 13 on, you know, I really took the game seriously. And then I played junior tennis and then I was, you know, lucky enough to get a scholarship uh, for college. And then, you know, once I graduated, I just played recreationally. That's that's cool. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's it's that uh, tennis is one of those sports that for me, it's been like it's growing uh, the more you play it. And it's also something that you can play whatever age, really. I mean, you can yes. keep playing it until you're you're 80, 90. You've seen these videos of 100 year olds playing tennis. You oh, know? yes. I just saw one now uh, with 97 year old playing with Rafael Nadal. At his yeah. Academy. Yeah. So that's uh, that was cool. And that's what I love about the sport. You know, you don't have to be you know, super, you know, at a certain level, you just go out there and just have fun. And I, and I think that uh, it's one of the few sports where you can do that. How is the tennis life in New York? I mean, it's been difficult during the pandemic to to play or is it growing in popularity? I know there's not like a plenty of courts. I guess it's, it's uh, maybe you have a scarcity there. I think it's different. It's not like, you know, California and Florida where you have an abundance. Of course, we do have courts in the, in the summertime. You have more options because you can you can play on the public courts. You just get a permit. You pay $100 and you have access to all of the public courts um, in the wintertime. Obviously, because New York City, you know, we have four different seasons. It, it becomes a little bit tougher because you have to, you know, you have to pay for, you know, you have to pay for court time. And then court time can get very expensive, you know. So you have to try to find the periods of the day where, you know, it's a little bit more inexpensive. Or if you, you know, money is not a problem, then you can play, you know, prime time. Mm-hmm. How much is a is a court on, on average? Uh, it just depends on you know. That's another thing. It's not. It's different based on the court. So, like one court that I play in Brooklyn, it's uh, from sixty eight from um, six to eight in the morning. It's forty two dollars an hour. So if you play with a partner, you could split it as twenty one. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Sounds a bit like Stockholm. Then that similar prices. You have quite high prices. Yeah depending on the time and you know in Stockholm the weather is usually made for indoors unless yeah. it's in summer right so so it, it costs costs a bit so you have to really like budget for tennis and I think that's something maybe tennis can improve or it depends obviously about about the different locations you're in in some places there are plenty of courts that are free oh but, yeah exactly yeah. like Florida I mean there's an abundance you know California you know Anywhere where there's warm weather, you know yeah. um, there's an abundance of courts and that's something you know hopefully you know there's, you know, I don't know if there's a company that's trying to solve that problem, but, uh, you know, hopefully we can solve that uh, problem of getting more access to tennis courts. Yeah, I think that's important everywhere in the world. I think that's a thing that, that needs to happen. And tennis courts are usually, they require some like real estate. So that's the issue. And one of the things I've heard is that there's a lot of like pickleball courts being built in the States and yeah. uh, kind of like knocking out tennis courts in a while uh, in some locations. So that's a little bit worrying, but oh, you yeah, can stay strong. It. Yeah. It is. It is taking. Uh, I haven't played pickleball, so I don't know. But you know, I have some friends that love the sport. Uh -huh. um, yeah, it is. It is starting to you know, in certain locations, definitely encroach on tennis courts. And uh, sometimes they're in bubbles. They they may part portion off a certain amount for other sports like indoor soccer, and then you know they may keep four or five courts. You know, yeah. to, you know, maintain uh, their overhead. 
Yeah. No, I mean, we have the same situation in Europe. Like there's, instead of pickleball, we have paddle, which is an easier access sport. So they have, you're okay. playing four. So, uh, and you're in like a, this kind of squash style court, uh, not so much different from pickleball and you can hit the walls. So it's more like okay. kind of a mix between squash and tennis. And it's really, um, taking over like it's like the attention a little bit uh you okay. know i don't want to paint the dark picture but it, it's a little bit people go crazy for paddle hopefully it's oh, okay. maybe just like a bug of five to ten years and then it dies down a little bit but i, I guess it's good that people exercise so we shouldn't be too uh, too, <laughs> too negative so you, exactly yeah so your own like racket journey how did you like do this process of coming up with a racket design because it must be quite many you know complicated oh, parts yeah. and things to think about yeah yeah, so we started a journey back in 2016. You know, we're you know we wanted to. Number one was you know we have a team of people who have industry experience. You know, we have a um, master racket technician on our team. We have another individual that's worked you know over 30 years with you know brands like um, Head and Wilson. So to start the journey, number one is like figuring out like what type of frame do you want? Do you want more of a round shape or do you want more of a, you know, flat beam? So that was the first discussion. Mm -hmm. Number two is like, um, you know, once we settled on a traditional, it's like, you know, we wanted to figure out if we're going to do this, we need to have some sort of special feeling, like an ooh-ah feeling, right? You can't just, you know, go into the category and just have something that like, oh, hey, it feels like this is another Wilson or feels mm -hmm. like another Babala right off the bat you're already against the eight ball because you know as you know playing a lifelong tennis um player we are so set in our ways when it comes to rackets so like me growing up i grew up playing with prince rackets and you could not get me um to play with another racket so it's 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 extremely difficult you know to to change people's perception so when we, we started to develop it we had to you know number one um figure out what type of technology we wanted to incorporate what was the feel and you know uh figure out like who we wanted to target initially do we want it to target the 10 percent who are extremely good or do we want it to focus you know do we want to focus on the recreational which is the bulk of the uh, the market i mean now the the lines between advanced players and recreational players i think are a little bit blurred because they also yes. more advanced players are using kind of these larger head size frames a little bit more powerful rackets because tennis is yes. much faster uh, yes. than it was like 10 15 years ago so it's changed quite a bit and uh, so you went for 101 square inch head size yeah and and uh, quite an interesting beam design i, re I really like the beam because it, it really stands out and I, I think i mean based on my kind of the feedback i got from my social channels and stuff people really like the design of the racket how did you approach that like with with your brand and, and fury and so on so we again speaking to the team you know with the experts we again we wanted to take a look at the market everything for us was just like looking at the market looking at the the frames that were you know popular because we started this journey since 2016. um once we figured out we wanted to do a traditional racket it was like all right okay how do we take something that you know racket at, at its core is is a very simple but very complicated instrument or mm -hmm. equipment so we wanted to see how we can you know tweak this tweak that you know, you know, give it a certain, uh, you know, dimension from the top to the bottom, figure out how we wanted to make the throw area to, in order to stabilize the racket. So it's just like all of these nuances that we, we really sat down and thought through um, when designing the racket. And, you know, from there, you know, you have to figure out, okay, string pattern, you know, some people like 1820, 1619, we felt like the market 
was moving closer to making it more 16, 19 and 18, 20, you know? Um, so I think all in all, is just really taking a broad look at the market, figuring out how, how do we differentiate ourselves? Um, and then from there, just, you know, tweaking this, making and keeping it simple. You know, one of the things we wanted to do is like literally take a traditional racket and add modern power to it, you know, and not too much decals because there's some rackets that tend to be very loud. We wanted to, you know, just simplicity we felt like was the best course for us. Yeah, I think that was what's with most products. If you if you overcomplicate things, especially and you're gonna launch something, it's it's gonna be a harder sell. Also, it's gonna maybe be too much of a step from what people are used exactly. to, you know. That's yes, yeah, exactly. It was tempting though. We were we were super tempted. We were like, yeah, we want to put all of these decals and we thought about different color schemes, but then you know. For us, again, just as a brand, you know, we felt like black was such an anti, you know, tennis color. So we yeah. wanted to lean into that. And, you know, tennis, you know, black also has a luxury feel to it. You know, fashion, because fashion is also kind of built into the, the brand's DNA. And then, you know, uh, coming, being, you know, a brand from New York City, you know, tennis has never come out of a city like New York City. So we just wanted to kind of, you know, add just a little splash of um, fashion, and, yeah. uh, you know, to it. Yeah, and, and you also do like, you know, apparel, like that's your, your, another thing you're working on. I actually really liked, I must say, because I get a lot of uh, T-shirts and stuff sent to me, you know, I've done over the years as kind of a marketing consultant and also mm-hmm. in tennis, of course. And, and these are actually stuff I really like, you know, and, and that's, oh, that's quite rare, to be honest oh. with you. Uh, <laughs> you. You rarely get like a good fit, good quality that actually feels a little bit like something you'd actually go out and buy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so good work on that. How, how was your thinking around that? And that's something you're going to explore more in the future. Oh yeah, definitely. So my business partner, Michelle Spiro, uh, she comes from the fashion world. So she has over 30 years of experience. She's worked at brands at, you know, um, Calvin Klein, Ralph Lauren, Donna Karen in his heyday. So, and also for me, I'm, I'm big into fashion. I like, um, quality. My friends call me picky brands because I'm very picky about <laughs> things. So everything that we, we want to do with the brand, we really, try to think through it and try to put the best quality that we can so even with the clothes you know you know this the, the feel of it you know the fit we we really take the time to like all right would we really wear this or is this just uh, like you like you just said is this something that we're just going to give away in this market you know as marketing material so for us you know quality is really built into the brand's dna I, I, I think that's important because now it's like with everything, you know, made in China being everywhere and you can start a brand really quickly. So you need to have that strong, you know, quality focus mindset to last. I think that's generally oh, yes. the case. Right. So, oh, so yes. I was pretty, pretty happy when I put on the T-shirt. It was like perfect fit, you know, and that's oh, that's quite rare. Uh, yeah, I yeah, know. I really noticed because you get a lot of like advertising T-shirts <laughs> and you put it on. You're like. I'm not going to wear that ever again. <laughs> yeah, or you're going to or you're going to wear it in your house. Like if I get anything like that, I'm like I'm not going to wear that. I'll just wear it around the house. Yeah, exactly. So it becomes kind of your sleeping in t-shirt or whatever, but Oh yeah. But but yeah, this was actually really nice stuff. So and and your brand is Fury, Fury Sport. Uh, yes. so how did you come up with the name and what was your thinking behind that? So when we're thinking about it, you know, it was a process. We had a previous name, but then once it which was not appropriate for what you know the vision that we had and you know i wish i had a a great story i just literally um started to think of um, names that could possibly work for sport brand and i just hit google translate i just started 
you know, hey, this name came to mind. I would Google Translate. And finally, I came across um, Fury. And I just felt like Fury was an appropriate name for a sports brand because instinctively, I think when people hear Fury, they automatically assume anger or, yeah. um, and I think anger sometimes, if channeled the right way, can be used for positivity. And that was kind of my mindset and my, you know, my thinking. You know, first of all, let's, let's change the spelling instead of F U R. Why? That's F-U-R-I. That's number one. Number two is like, okay, when I'm on the court, yes, we all get frustrated, but if we channel that the right way, it, it can actually, um, you know, fuel you to whatever yeah. it is that you want to do. Obviously, on tennis court, you want to win. So, and, and that's our mindset. You know, we, you know, we have this outsider um, mentality, you know, for people who, you know, who may feel, hey, I don't want to take this traditional path. You know, fury, you know, we, we want that fury mentality, the grit, the determination, the fire, all of that stuff, you know, kind of encapsulated um, with, within the name. Yeah, no, I think it works. I mean, like like I said, I worked in marketing 20 years, so usually quite picky and sometimes a bit uh, skeptical towards uh, new stuff. Yeah. But this one actually really works. It has, I mean, it's also a short word, which you always want to you want to find yes. like an, a word that grabs attention and also looks good, like in terms of like phonetics and the way you, you spell it out. So uh, I, I would say that this actually looks like a, a proper brand and something that you can build on. So um, that, oh. that's that's my my general feedback it's it's oh yeah thank it you and sense. in the process too it took us also just working with you know really talented graphic designer who once we came across the name and we agreed upon it just really spending a few months coming up with the right font you know i think sometimes when you're building a brand people don't realize the importance of fonts you know um you know how a font looks because all of that stuff resonates feelings, you know, and the logo, making sure the logo looks a particular way, you know, because, you know, you're excited to start a brand. Like, all right, I'm just going to put any, you know, any logo together. But, you know, all of this stuff, we live in a country, you know, we live in a world where brand is sometimes more important than the product. How do we feel? Because we have a lot of commodities. So, mm. you know, we wanted to make sure that in a, in, a, in a world of a lot of noise, how do we stand out? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the way you have to perceive it. You have to see it as something you want to be at a little bit bigger than just the actual products you sell. That's always the, the take. And I think that, uh, that, that you handled really well. So I, what's your initial feedback? You know, who are your, you know, usual customers? You can only buy via your website for now, I, I guess, right? Yes. Right now, primarily is website. We begin to speak with some small specialty brands here in New York city. We are in a few pro shops, but our primary distribution channel is online. So the, it's been interesting, you know, the journey, like when we first started this, when we first said this, a lot of people thought we were crazy. They looked at us like, you want to make a what? A racket? You, yeah. Like, what experience do you have? And, you know, um, sometimes that could be discouraging, but, you know, we just felt like um, the market needed something different and, you know, why not? Um, so the feedback overall has been positive. Obviously, you know, we, we, we still, today it's a little bit different because we, 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 when we launched, we did a soft launch in 2019. But, you know, we do get some resistance, you know, mm. they like, oh, this feels not, this is not for me, or this might feel a little bit too stiff. But overall, it's been more positive than negative. Yeah. You know, the feedback and stuff like that. And, you know, we have people, you know, who are big loyal fans, you know, who our first iteration, we did a limited edition, you know, just to test it out that they love that version. And we're slowly building the community. You know, uh, I think uh, the community is growing and people are just super excited for what we're building and um, which, which is great to see. Yeah. I think, I mean, tennis is one of those sports, like, like you said, you, you were a Prince user and you didn't want to use anything else than Prince. And 
people are generally quite like brand loyal in loyal. tennis. Uh, yeah, they, they have a, a strange loyalty sometimes, but it's also like connected to a feel of a racket. So the, the to change to a new brand is, is something that can take a bit of, of time. But I think also people want to be a bit more unique now. I think that's a general trend you're seeing in any, anywhere, really. Yeah. And especially on the tennis court, people want to, you know, if you come there with a racket that nobody has seen before or a brand like a bracket bag or whatever, people will be like, oh, okay, this is interesting. You know, you, you mm-hmm. stand out a little bit. I noticed that if I bring like a prototype racket, either that's blacked out or white out or something that looks a little bit out of the ordinary, people stop and just ask. And, and that's that's always a good reaction. So you oh, want to yeah. get that, get those products seen as much as possible around courts, I guess. Yeah. Yes, definitely. You know, and then also too, the way our bags are designed, you know, because we're, Prime, you know, we're in a shitty location. So when we're thinking about um, designing our bags, we wanted to make it uh, not only fashionable, but functionable, fa- yeah. excuse me, functional. So, um, you know, that's the thought process. Because when, you know, I, when we're developing the bags, I felt like you would never catch me with my print gear once I was done playing. So we wanted to create products that, you know, if you're walking around the city, you felt, you know, proud. And it just, you know, besides our big traditional bag, the other bag doesn't look like traditional tennis stuff. So we just wanted to kind of give that different, you know, perspective. Yeah, tennis bags is, is another uh, topic because usually like they, they are so big and bulky and they have this very, you know, huge logos on 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 the, the pack, you know, the side of the bag and stuff. So people like to have something different. Oh, yeah, definitely. And then for us, you know, the next thing that, you know, people have been approaching us is performance. So that's the next thing that we're going to start developing. So next year, um, hopefully by third quarter, we'll have um, performance clothes that you can actually play um, tennis in. Cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So you have a few plans in the in the works. More. Oh, more yeah, stuff. definitely. Um, we have children's rackets. That's our next product. From the equipment standpoint, we have children's rackets that we will be releasing a 25 and a 26, and it will have a 98 square inch for the players who, you know, want a little bit more of a controlled oriented stick. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I'll make sure, I'll, you know, once we have it, uh, I'll make sure to you know send one to you to have you review it. Yeah, yeah, no, that would be cool. Like, I, I, I like this stick. So, but ninety eight is usually my my sweet spot these days. So okay. that's uh, okay. Yeah, what's the eighteen twenty, sixteen nineteen, or I'm I'm a, that that I'm pretty open with. I mean, it depends a little bit on the string spacing, but I'm ca- kind of a ninety eight, sixteen nineteen now. Uh, okay. I like I like to get, I mean everything boils down to you getting older you want a little bit more free power but you don't maybe you don't want to be like going all the way up to a hundred you know so that's kind okay. of where I am so I'm playing with slightly more powerful. 98, 16, 19. That kind of a good balance for modern okay. tennis because yeah, it's it's a fast game these days, you know. So it's, it's oh yeah, exactly. And, and you know, as we you know, I said earlier, in a modern game, you know, traditional with the modern because even when you know, like when I was playing more competitively with my prince, you know, great control racket, but no power, so I had to put some lead to get a little yeah. bit more of you know some plow through. Yeah, which prince was it? Was it? So I, yeah. In juniors, I played with the graphite. Uh, the Prince Graphite. The you OS? Know, Michael Chang or... one. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that one. And then um, when I, so I had stopped playing tennis before co-founding, once I got back, I played with the Prince uh, TechStream 100P. Very good racket. Yeah. Plus, yeah, uh, control oriented. Um, but I didn't realize it because I was been so, um, I was away from the sport for so long. It was 1820. It wasn't 1619. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they have another one that's exactly similar, but yeah, they still do some good stuff, to be honest. Yeah, so that's uh, oh. but they have a, have a different structure than most racket companies with their, you know, I think they're based in New York, their brands group, their authentic brands or something. Yeah, oh so, yes, they are in New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
It's cool to get some tennis community in New York. It's big. Yeah. It's nice to hear about like, uh, you know, new startups and new brands trying to, to break onto the scene. I know tennis is, is tough with all these, you know, uh, huge uh, companies, but oh, yeah. I, I still think you have to have a positive mindset and go in and say, hey, you know, we're going to create some great products. And, and also, I think there's room now for challenger brands. Like you see that with some other, uh, other brands oh, that yeah. you can actually take some market share uh, if you have a niche, if you have a pretty strong brand uh, idea. Oh, yeah. And, and I, you know, definitely agreed. And that's, that was our mindset going into 2016, you know, um, fast forward five years, about to be six years later, I think everything, you know, you said that's, that's kind of our, what we built this, this brand on. It's like, how do we create our own niche? And then from there, just built out because you have to start small in order to get big. If there's anything else you want to share, I mean, just shoot it out into oh, yeah. the atmosphere. Oh yeah, definitely. If anyone you know wants more information, they can follow us on Instagram at Theory Sport, which is F U R I S P O R T, and that's the same thing for uh, Twitter at Theory Sport, and they can find us on our you know website www.furiesport.com. And uh... well, great. That's uh, that's awesome. I hope they do that, and hope they check out your rackets and uh, a review to come from me as well, of course. Oh, okay. Thank you so much, Giannis. Thanks, Eric. Well, we'll, we'll keep okay. in touch, okay? Really oh, yeah, nice talking to you. Well. Okay, have a good day. Same to you, man. Ciao, okay. ciao. Bye.